Uh, we have this uh, audacious goal, this vision as a church, that we want to connect 1% of Wichita to God. We want to reach that. And, and if you were here last week, Dave Curry, just if you didn't listen to that message, man, go listen to that message. He just did such a, an amazing job, and I so appreciate him, him speaking last week. Um, but the way we're going to do that is, is through you and I, sharing who we are and helping people to learn to follow Jesus because what we're, what we're asking people to do is we're saying, hey, we want you to live the kind of life that we're living. And so today I want to help you Make some shifts that will help to move your life forward and closer to Jesus. And there are five. If you've got the sermon notes, you can take notes as we go along here. And here's what I'm hoping will happen for you is that you'll, maybe you'll pick all five. I don't know. That's an awful lot to, to bite off. But maybe one of those. And so what I want you to attune your ear to as we, as we talk about Scripture, as we sing, is what is the nudge that God's Spirit is talking to you about. I want you to listen for that. And um, here's how we're going to do this. I think we have this on the screen. We've got this symbol here. If you're a mathematician, yeah, that's the greater than symbol, right? So whatever is on this side of the equation, I know you didn't come for a math lesson, uh, but is, is greater than what is on this side of the equation. And this side of the equation is less than what's on this side of the equation. And so there's going to be five of these things that are greater than. And what I'm asking you to think about is I, they represent paths. They represent steps. And I want you to choose the one that's greater than because I really don't want you to be a spiritual status quo seeker. And these are really simple. And if you will accept the shift, the thing that the Holy Spirit is nudging you on, um, I, your life is going to move in the direction of Jesus and all that Jesus is about. Okay, ready for this? That's the whole intro. Again, we're doing this different today. Here's number one, okay? First, first shift. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Holy is greater than hurting. Can you say that out loud with me? Holy is greater than hurting. Now you may say, okay, what are you, what are you talking about, Scott? Well, this is just a reference to the path that you are on, and it's a path. I, I just want to ask you the question, which path are you on? Here's what I'm trying to get across. You and I are not going to walk down any paths in life that allow us to avoid pain completely. There isn't a path in life without pain. Now, we live in a world where pain avoidance is a massive industry. I, uh, I, I was gifted from my father through his genetics, uh, migraine headaches. Any other migraine headache sufferers? Um, I am so glad I live today because I'm a giant baby because when I feel a migraine coming on, I go get Excedrin migraine and it knocks it out for me. Can I get an amen for Excedrin migraine? It's this massive industry that you and I are a part of that we're conditioned to believe that pain ought not happen to us and that if we are experiencing pain, then something's wrong with that. But what I'm trying to say to you is, I'm not, I'm not trying to ask you the question, do you have pain? Uh-uh, no. I'm assuming you have pain because everybody I know and everybody you know has gone through things or is going through things and has pain. So here's what I'm, here's what I'm saying, because these, these represent two different paths. I'm saying part of your current reality doesn't have to, the pain of your current reality doesn't have to be the, the path that you walk on. Let me say it to you like this. Don't make pain your path. 
Pain might be a problem that you go with on your path. It might be a burden you carry along the path. I certainly want you to find healing that you need for the pain that you've been through. But here's what I know. You can very easily shift from it's just something that I'm carrying to it being the path that I'm walking. And it's pain is my path. And many people are stuck there. So I want you to, I want you to avoid that. I want you to move toward this other. So I'm going to give you a, something greater than. I'm going to give you a verse. And the verse is the how do I walk this, uh, the greater than part of the path. Here's the verse, okay? Um, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. We're going to put it on the screen for you. This is the Apostle Paul. This is what he says to you. I don't, I don't, this is, this wasn't, this is not for your neighbor on the right. This is not for the person behind you. Uh, This is for you. This is what the Apostle Paul says. He who began a good work in you, would you read out loud with me the words in bold? Can you say that? Will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, what, what is Paul talking about? He's saying that God began a good work. What's the good work that God began? God began the good work by purchasing you by his death and resurrection on the cross. And now, let me, let me translate that, okay? If you're, if you're around church stuff all the time, let me translate that for you. That means that somebody wanted you. That means God wanted you. Do, you. do you let that resonate in your soul? So then what Paul is saying is that because God wanted you and purchased you on the cross, that he's going to make you into a creature like himself. The Bible's word for that is this other word, holy. Now, I, I don't know what you think about that word if you grew up in the church of the Nazarene like I did. There's a whole set of assumptions about that word, but let me give you a, 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 a synonym it means Christ-like. It means like Jesus. Let me give you a different synonym. It means that you're not H-O-L-Y, but you become W-H-O-L-E. You become whole. You become functional. You become full of the love of God and love of your neighbor. Like we say it around here, you learn to love God and to love people and to serve the world. In the words of John Wesley, you become at ease in yourself and at ease with people. You, you move past being stuck by anything in your life. That's what God wants for you. That's the path that God wants to put you on. And, and so it, it's, it's like, I, I didn't bring it in here, because I was in a conversation with someone, but I have this big red pen, and I've used it before, and I sometimes repeat illustrations because I think they're important. But it, it's, it represents, you know, when you're going somewhere, and you've never been to that place before, and you open up your phone, and you put in the address, and you know what it does. Whether you, whether, whatever map program that you use, whatever it is, they'll have some version of this. It, it puts this pin, right? Drops this pin for your future location. Do you know what I'm talking about? And then when you go on that, you hit go or, you know, start or whatever it is that your app says about that, and it maps out for you the directions. And you know what happens if you're like me and you're driving and you get lost? You know what the map does? It, it has some version. You may, it, I have a, a British lady on, as, that talks to me because I like that. Uh, my wife does not, but I do. And so it's a British lady. Turn left. Now, uh, it's a lot more fun when you do that. So I, I get a little, I get a little lost. You know, it says recalculating, recalculating, and I it 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 recalculates you because 
It's guaranteeing that you get to the end of the journey, even if you get a little bit lost along the way. So here's, here's this is my illustration, right? Holy, you being like Christ, you being whole, you being at ease with yourself and other people, you not being stuck. That's the pen, the destination that God has dropped for your life. And he will not give up until he gets you there. Are you tracking with me on that? That's like pretty good news for the start of 2023. Like we get lost. God does not get lost. We get confused about which way to go. God does not. We get sidetracked and we focus on other things. God has laser focus. Holy is your path. Second shift, if you're taking notes, second shift is this, that the mind of Christ is greater than my soundtracks. I'm going to explain that. The mind of Christ is greater than my soundtracks. You, you know what I mean by a soundtrack. A soundtrack, um, it's on a movie and it plays in the background, but often, if you're into this kind of a thing, if you're trying to do what they call deep work, uh, they, they say, hey, put on, put on a soundtrack, something without any words or, or something that you can kind of forget or you just know the melody, and it plays in the background. Now, if you listen to soundtracks long enough, then you, you start to sing along. If you know the words or you, you hum along, you work in an office environment where there's, you know, music that's piped in, you start to hear the same songs. I, in high school, um, worked at Tom Thumb grocery stores as a bagger. And I was amazing at that. For those of you who want to know, I was so good at it. Just watch me pack my own groceries today. Uh, but one night a week, I would have, I would have, uh, I would have floor duty. And so I, my whole shift, I would walk around with a broom and the same songs would play. If they come on today, I have an involuntary response. I want to throw up in my mouth. That's a whole nother, whole nother story. Uh, but, but you know what I'm saying? The soundtracks, what they do is they repeat and, and they become words that we just, we just own. And here's what I mean, though, when I say my soundtracks. What I'm talking about is what it is that we say to ourselves often. It gets real quiet whenever I talk about this because people are like, oh. And, and the soundtrack, the things that, we're, that are on repeat that we don't even really think about but that we say about ourselves, it just plays, because that's, that's what a soundtrack does. It just plays unless you change it. Now, I've said this to you before, but you know that no one has greater influence over you than you because you talk to yourself more than anybody. So my question for you is, what is the soundtrack that plays in your mind? I talked to you about this a few weeks ago and, and just revisiting it, but Jesus said that the greatest thing that you and I can do as a human being is we could learn to love God. And, and Jesus here is reaching back to the Old Testament and the command given to the Israelites to love God with all of your heart and your soul. And then, and then Jesus says with your mind, which I take that to mean that you can love God with how you talk to you about you. Have you ever thought of that? So these represent two paths. There's the, the things that I say to myself. And then there's what the Apostle Paul calls the, the mind of Christ. Let me give you the path. Okay, here's the verse that I want you to write down. 2 Timothy verse 1-7. Again, this is the Apostle Paul writing to his mentee, Timothy. And this is what he says. He says, God has not given me, or you, a spirit of fear 
Let's back up. I want you to read this out loud because this is about you. So read this out loud with me. Ready? God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, I know some of you, you have a bit of internal resistance when I started talking about this. Like, you're, you're talking about all that, you know, poppy self talk. No, no, no. This is actually everywhere in Scripture, from the Old Testament to the Psalms to the Gospels. Jesus talks about it to the letters of Paul. I want to show you, I want to show you three. Can I show, there's many, 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 but I, I want to show you three. I, just, I referenced it. It's in the, the title of this, you know, the mind of Christ. Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, he says, we have... The mind of Christ. Uh, Here he says it to the Romans in uh, Romans chapter 12. He says, don't conform, don't be a conformist to the pattern of the world, this world, but be transformed. What what does he say? How How does he say that happens? By what? The renewing of what? Your mind. Your, what is your mind? It's your thoughts. It's your thought patterns. Well, how do you do this? I, I, I'm, I'm telling this to you because no one ever taught it to me, and I'm learning this, and, and I want you to have this. But uh, let me give you, uh, let me show you how, because it's in the Psalms. It's not explicit, but it's implicit. The Psalms, actually, like Psalm 103 is a great example of this. Um, just got a few of the verses here we'll put on the screen. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul. There's this implicit instruction in the Psalms that you and I are to talk to ourselves. Did you know that the Bible encourages you to talk to yourself? Are you aware of that? The one thing that I miss about having a mask on everywhere I go is I like to talk to myself, but I like to talk to myself out loud, and I don't like to look crazy. So I could walk into any store and I could be having the conversation in my mind as I'm walking in and I could, my mouth could be moving and I could be silently saying something and no one would know, right? I actually missed that part. But Psalm 103 is saying that you and I are to speak to our soul. Let me, let me tell you what Paul's saying to you and I. That we're to say to our soul what God says about us. That's the mind of Christ. You're to tell your soul what's true because of the gospel of Jesus. The best information about you is what God thinks about you. Now, there's a whole thing we could get into. We could talk about, you know, like, like the positivity movement and self-help. I'm not talking about that. I'm not, I'm not meaning that. All those folks are doing is tapping into this. They're just making something explicit that's already in the scriptures. But here's what I realized. I was like, it, it cannot be that I, somehow someone else or me or I am more positive about me than God is positive about me because he made me and he understands me in a way I don't understand me. And, and some of us, we wrestle, especially if you've grown up around church. Now, I'm not saying everybody who grew up around church wrestles with this, but I've found that a lot of people do. There's this ingrained in us false expression of humility that makes us think that we're supposed to think awful things about ourselves. You're even wrestling with me saying, I got to say about myself? Well, God's, well, no, 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 that's not how it works. And so we don't have any room for understanding the power of, the, of what we say to ourselves as an expression of our love for God because God made us. And so we think, here's, I have this big a mouthful of words here, but we, we think that self-loathing is soteriologically efficacious. I think three of you understood what I just said right there. I get it. 
In other words, we think that if we beat ourselves up and name our awfulness enough, then that somehow gets God's attention and God responds because he's like, oh, you, you, you see yourself as enough of a worm that I can now come help you. I, 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 not my apologies here. I'm going to make somebody uh, mad, um, something I do routinely. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say it to you. It's a little bit crass. But I, I have a term for this, and again, I apologize in advance for this, but I don't have a better term for it. If you've got a better one, tell me afterwards, and, and I'll say it differently next time. I, I call this way of thinking, I call it crapology. It's like feeling like I'm nothing is somehow the key to salvation. Now listen, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm saying you and I are a sinner. I am a sinner, but that's a statement about the path that I have been on and my need for God's help to get off of it, not about my value as a person made in God's image. Do you see the difference? Right. So, Listen, I'm talking to you, beloved. You, if you think, oh, you're talking to people who don't know Jesus. Nope, I'm talking to you. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm talking to God's people, and I'm trying to convert you to what Paul knew 2,000 years ago, what is in the scriptures from the beginning. This is not new. If you were able to say, to have the mind of Christ about yourself, you would say the things that the scriptures say about you. Do you know what the scriptures say about you? This would be the kind of things you would say to yourself. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I have been crowned with glory and honor. I've been made a little lower than the angels. I am the beloved. And then the language that Paul uses again and again is, you are a saint. Man, what if you replaced that in 2023 with the soundtrack that runs in your mind? Third shift. Third shift, if you're taking notes, uh, very simple. Apply or applying is greater than agree or agreeing. Apply is greater than agree. What do I mean? Well, these are two approaches to, to Jesus' teaching. Now, on the one hand, I mean, you, you kind of say, well, I mean, uh, shouldn't we hear what Jesus says and shouldn't we agree that what Jesus says is the truth because he's the truth and the way and the life? And, and shouldn't we take everything that Jesus says at face value and say that's correct? And if anybody deviates from what Jesus teaches, that, you know, they should be, you know, that thought should be cut off and, like, that's the one. I mean, that, right? I mean, shouldn't, shouldn't that be the case? This feels a little like we're trying to pick and choose here. Uh, that, that seems right, right? If, that's, if that was what we were supposed to do with the teaching of Jesus, so that, if that was the sum total of it, and if you were supposed to have the right beliefs in your mind and your heart and have the right doctrine and the right theology, um, and, and you would need to agree with those beliefs, you know, if, if some of you were at the, the, uh, the school of prayer this last two days, and, and part of that we went through the Apostles' Creed, and, and shouldn't, shouldn't people read that, read those kinds of ancient creeds that have been a part of the church for thousand plus years and and agree with them? I mean, are you saying we shouldn't agree with them? Well, I'm saying that would be okay if that was all that Jesus said, but it's not. I I want you to hear the verse, okay, because this is the path here. We want to apply this very famously. I'm just going to retell it to you. Um, At the end of Jesus' summary teaching of his whole message, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Matthew is one of the four Gospels, biographies of the life of Jesus. 
Jesus. Uh, Jesus summarizes what he says, and he, he says, hey, listen, if you hear what I say to you, these words of mine, and you put them into practice, then you're wise, like a person who builds their house on the rock. And if you don't hear what I say, and you don't, if you hear what I say, and, and you don't do anything with it, then you're like a foolish man, and your house is built on the sand. And so here's what Jesus is saying, is at stake is when I hear what Jesus says, bless those who curse you. Forgive your enemies. Love your enemies. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. When, you, when I hear what Jesus says, what will I do with it? Will I simply agree with it? Or will I go further, Jesus says, and apply it? Put it into practice. Now, I want you to notice what's the same and, and what's different. I think we have this slide for you here on the screen. Uh, nope, go with the next slide, guys, if you would. Next slide. There we go. Uh, I, I bolded the things that are the same, right? Remember in, in English class, your teacher would give you the class. Um, you, you, your teacher would say, what are, what's the same? You know, what's the same? Well, in, all, in both instances, there's the wise man whose life stands, and there's the foolish man whose life falls. And, and there's some things that are similar. Both the wise and the foolish man, they hear the words of Jesus, so in other words, here's what that means. Let me translate that for 2023. They both had access to the Bible. They both belonged to a church. They both knew songs and sang songs of praise to Jesus. They, they both probably subscribe maybe to some of the same podcasts, the Bible Project uh, podcasts that help you live out your faith. Uh, both of them maybe even belong to a group or to a Sunday school class. Both of them, they hear the words, that, that's the same in both. Uh, now notice this, uh, both of them, in, in both of the instances, the rains come and the streams rise and the winds blow and beat the house. It, it, maybe you've never picked this up when you've, if you've read this before. Maybe you've never realized Jesus is saying, listen, if you follow me, that is not some guarantee that you will not have trouble in your life. In fact, if you follow me, you're absolutely going to have the same trouble in your life that someone who does not follow me has. In every life comes some trouble, right? The, the rains come down, the streams rise, the winds blow and beat against the house, right? It's the same in both. Now, what's different? Matthew 7 again. What's the differentiating factor that can be in your life that separates your life from crashing from its standing firm? Well, he says there's the one who hears these words of mine and puts it into practice. In other words, applies it. When the opportunity comes to hate, your enemy, it might be really hard, but you're like, well, Jesus said this is best, so instead what I'm going to do is I'm going to respond with kindness to that person who does not deserve it. Uh, when the opportunity comes to be bitter and to hold on to bitterness and to let bitterness grow in your heart because something ugly happened and it was not your fault, and, and you could very easily hold on to that and put a root of bitterness down into your heart that grows up through your soul and your mind and your words and your being. But you say, no, that's, that's not what Jesus said. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to forgive because I understand that the Lord has forgiven me, and so I'm going to forgive in the same way. That's the person who applies it. What's the differentiating factor? It's the other person. They hear it all, and they do not do what I say. The person who just simply agrees. Yeah, that's right, Jesus. You're absolutely right. We should forgive our enemies, and yes, we, we should. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Jesus. Tell them. Jesus says that person 
when the storms, when the rains come, and they will come, and when the streams rise, and the streams will rise in your life, when the winds blow and beat about your house, and it will happen in your life, that person falls. Now, I, I just, I want to just suggest to you that if, if we just get into the place about Jesus' teaching and about, about our faith and about who we are as Christians, if we just say, we just, you know, what's important is that you agree. I, I think if, if all we are in it left with is that we just agree, then that actually is a source of division because what we do is we say to the people who do not agree, we, we label them and we put them into a tribe that's opposite from us and, and we, we say they're a heretic. You know, maybe, maybe you don't say that. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but it's not by much. And, and just agreeing only on what Jesus said, you know, we can get into endless debates about who's right. But if, if you could agree and apply, well, then that's a path forward to a different me and a different we. <laughs> right? That's a path forward to humility and transformation. You're like, well, what am I supposed to apply? Well, Jesus has just got done reading the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 and 6. And so if you're like, well, I think I, this is the one. This is the nudge from the Holy Spirit right here. Okay, well, then what you need to do is you need to take the Sermon on the Mount, and you need to read it every day for a year. And you say, okay, Jesus, I am, it's going to be hard, but I'm going to apply what you have said is best because you're the master of life, and I am not. And so I'm going to take my cues from you. That would be a different path. Fourth shift, fourth shift, this is short. God's peace is greater than your pace. God's peace is greater than your pace. Right, what do I mean by that? Well, we're encouraged in our world uh, today to, to we, have, we have words for the pace that you and I are expected to keep. Uh, there's the grind, there's the there's grit, there's the side hustle that you need if you're going to be financially solvent. Uh, in other words, the pace that you and I need to move at is a, a never-ending pace. There's not a lot of peace in the pace. We're, we're rewarded for having a fast pace. I, this, I'm not trying to say you don't move fast. I'm not trying to say don't get things done. I'm just saying to you, that the pace that we imbibe as our way of being in the world, because it translates into how we operate everywhere, is that the pace that we're, we're encouraged, we're rewarded for, just simply does not produce peace. I, I think, honestly, it creates in a lot of people a, a tremendous amount of anxiety, um, I was listening to a podcast by a guy by the name of Steve Cuss. He's a uh, interesting last name, um, but he's a pastor from Australia, and he's written several books. And he was talking about this, and it was I, it was just what he was saying right here. And and you can find the podcast if you want to message me. I'll find the podcast for you where he talks about this. But he talks about the fact that we wrestle with anxiety, and he says anxiety is what he calls an unreliable narrator. Uh, an unreliable narrator is actually a, a device, and when you watch a movie, you know, watch a mystery movie, and um, there's a popular movie that just came out that my boys love. It's a mystery movie, and, and uh, the second edition of it came out. And, and so we're watching this movie, and, and you know what they do in that movie is they have 
what, it's, a, it's a device to throw you off the scent of what actually happened. It keeps you guessing, keeps the tension in the movie where, you, where you're trying to guess and there's this unreliable narrator and you start in your own mind to go, oh, that's the person who I need to pay attention to because they have the key to how this thing is all going to unravel. But you are being totally yanked. I mean, it's just like they are drawing you in with the unreliable narrator. And I think there are a massive number of people that this is their world, right? They are being told a message from anxiety and pace that is an unreliable narrative. It tells them, like, you need to go over here. You need to do it right now. You need to fix that. And it creates this sense of panic. And so that's why I want to say to you that the shift that maybe this is the one for you in 2023 is that you're going to move from being defined by your peace to being defined by God's peace. Let me give you the verse. I'm not going to put the whole thing on the screen. I don't think they have it there. But it's the 23rd Psalm. The 23rd Psalm is probably the most famous psalm. Uh, If you have never read the Bible, you've probably heard the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters restores my soul, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Sure, you anoint my head with oil. You, you, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and surely I will dwell in the house of the Lord. It's just these beautiful words that uh, I, 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 the number of times when I do a funeral and the family will say, I'll say, was there a scripture in Psalm 23? It just has this calming effect, and the reason that it has a calming effect is because it's from heaven. It's from the presence and atmosphere of God, and it brings the peace of God that all of us long for. We would love for that to be the defining characteristic of our life. It brings it to us, and it becomes a viable path for us. So I, I, what I want to suggest to you is that, that the psalm, that Psalm 23, that that is actually God's normal. That's to be our pace. Maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but you know one of the titles that Jesus gives to himself is in the Gospel of John. You know what he says about himself? Because this Psalm 23 is from the perspective of a shepherd leading sheep. Do you know one of the names that Jesus gives to himself? He says, I am the good shepherd. I, I, have, this, um, I have this phrase, that, that um, it's a long story how I came to the phrase, but it was through, it's through going through this kind of like, I don't want to do that anymore. And, and I, was, I was trying to figure, okay, how, how is it that God operates? What's the pace that Jesus operated by? Because is there anybody that has been more successful in human history? Because that's what our pace is about, is like, you have to keep that pace if you want to be a success, right? That's what's really behind it. Who has been more successful in human history than Jesus Christ? I, I mean, I don't think you even have to be a person of faith to go, I, I think that seems about right. I mean, more songs have been written about Jesus. More work has been done in his name. When you walk into Wesley Hospital and you get treated, the reason Wesley Hospital is there and St. Francis Hospital are there is because people who are putting into practice the words of Jesus said that we should care for the sick created institutions known as the hospital. Like, like you are a benefit of, of, of Jesus' way of doing things. The, the, the pace. So the word that came to me, I was like, you know, I think Jesus operated at the speed of peace. 
I, I, you know, I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying not to grind. I'm not saying not to work hard. I mean, work hard. Work is a gift when you see it. And, and work hard and don't make, a, don't make any bones about working hard. I'm just saying that in heaven there is no grind. <laughs> the grind is gone. And you know, one of the things that Jesus taught us to pray, he said that we, when we pray, the Lord's Prayer, he said, when we pray, what you need to pray is first to say that God is your Father and that you want his name to be above everything. And then you're to pray that his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, make it down here like it is up there. And if in heaven, the speed that, that, that heaven operates by is peace, then okay, could you bring the speed of peace down into our world right here and right now? What's the pace of heaven? What could be the pace of your life? It would be the speed of peace. That's because God's peace is greater than your pace. The, uh, the subtitle for today's message is Five Hardships to Get Your Swagger Back. And I'm hoping that in 2023, if you feel like you've lost your swagger, that you can get your swagger back. Now, what in my view, swagger is made up of three things, hope, confidence, and purpose. I, I, I think that followers of Jesus need to have that kind of swagger. So these are intended to help you get your swagger back. Here's the, here's the last shift, um, a shift from rhythms and understanding that they are greater than resolutions. Rhythms are greater than resolutions. Now, I understand this is the beginning of the year, and I understand it marks this moment in time when we say to ourselves, this is the year I am going to do it. Whatever it is, it's like, yeah, I, I tried the last 12, and it didn't work, but this is the year. And I'm not trying to talk you out of having resolutions. I think they're wonderful gifts, and I've heard some in my household. I have some in my brain that I'm like, okay, this year I'd like to work on. Um, but, you, you know, those of you who, are, who go to the gym regularly, you know that uh, the first week or two of the year, when you go, it's extra busy. And all you do is you just wait it out. You're like, ah, three weeks from now, they'll be gone. And, um, you know, the YMCA is wealthier because everyone signed up for the membership and then they're not going to use it the rest of the year. Now, I'm not, I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to speak negativity into your world, right? I know you're like, oh, he's telling me that I'm going to, no. I'm for resolutions if they mean that behind them are the intent, man, this is a huge part of transformation, is the intent to grow and to change. But, Resolutions by themselves, what they, the reason they by themselves usually don't bring us the result we're looking for is that they rely on willpower alone. And frankly, it's not that strong. Like I, I my, during the 21 days of prayer and fasting, my, uh, one of the things I'm fasting from is sugar. You put a Krispy Kreme donut between 5 and 9 a.m. in front of me, I'm going to struggle right? I'm going to struggle. And if you put it in front of me every day of the next 21 days, I promise you on about day 13, I'm going to lose. It's like my willpower is just not that strong. But I think there's a different way to go about it. And it's ancient. And uh, it's all the way again through the scriptures because we're not talking about anything new here. And, and the different way to go about it is instead of saying, I'm just going to resolve in my mind and heart to do this, thing that I've maybe never been able to, to do, is to put into place rhythms, See, you, you and I become what we repeat. Uh, there is no formation without repetition, and it's what you and I repeat that gets us there. And rhythms are things that you and I put into our schedules that move us in the direction 
we want to go. And so what we do is we, it, once you set a rhythm and you say, you know what, every day when I get home, on my way home, I'm going to stop at the gym for 30 minutes. You put that in your calendar, you put it in your schedule, you make it a thing, and then what happens is you set it, and that rhythm has the power then to shape you. You set your rhythms, and then your rhythms shape you. So you, I promise you want to make a change, put a rhythm in your calendar, tell someone else about the rhythm that you're doing, and you'll have, you'll have some success that you maybe didn't have when you were relying on your willpower alone. Let me give you a verse um, the, in the book of Daniel. Daniel always prayed to God, this famous story, if you know Daniel and the lion's den, if you've heard that story. Daniel always prayed to God three times every day. Three times every day, the rhythm, you see it? He bowed down on his knees to pray and praise God. Now, if you know that story, uh, you know that his enemies came against him because he was uh, an Israelite and he was taken from Israel to Babylon and then he was put in charge. He was very smart, wise, gifted, talented, competent um, as a leader and an administrator and he was put in positions and people didn't like that. And they were so aware of his rhythms that they came and got him at one of the times he was praying. That's how consistent... He was with his rhythms. He had, a, he had a rhythm. Now, if you pay attention to the life of Jesus, what you'll find out is that Jesus had rhythms. In fact, there's one place in the Gospels where the, the writer says, and Jesus was in the Sabbath. He was in the synagogue on the Sabbath. And there's this little phrase that refers to rhythms Jesus had. As was his custom. And you pay attention to the life of Jesus. Jesus had rhythms. He would get up in the morning and he would pray. There would be regular times. He would go away and pray for a long time. He would go to the Sabbath. He would go to the synagogue on Sabbath. That's why I think going to church every week is like, it's a rhythm. It just put, it's like, you know what? That's my rhythm. I'm not going to disrupt my rhythm. And so instead of letting other things disrupt my rhythm, I let my rhythm disrupt other things. And when someone's like, what well, do you want to go play? Do you want to go play golf? Listen, there's nothing wrong with playing golf on a Sunday. Okay, I'm not trying to. I'm just saying when you have a rhythm in place, you go, oh, you know, I'd love to. But what I do on Sundays at 11 o'clock is I worship. It's a rhythm. It has powerful effects. You, you, when you put a rhythm in place, what you're doing is you're telling your body what to do instead of letting your desires tell you what to do. I, I put it in, just based off of Daniel here, I, I have it in my calendar um, three times a day. I'm, I'm taking my cue from Daniel here and from the life of Jesus, and I have... Uh, two words that pop up in my calendar three times a day. I, I already do this in the mornings when I read scripture and pray, and then uh, it comes around lunchtime, and then later uh, in the evening, and I have two words. You know what the two words are? I, it's, I'm, I'm telling my soul what to do. It, it's the two words, and they're for me. They're not because they're not I'm spiritual, because I, I want to be this. I, the two words are soul, kneel. So, and I, I see it pop up. And if I can't get where I can physically kneel down, then I, I'm like, if I've been places and I'll, I'll pause and I'll bow my head because I'm wanting my body to do what I want my soul to do, right? I want a rhythm that changes me. And so I want to suggest two rhythms for you. If you don't have the rhythm, this is a great rhythm to put in place. The next 21 days will help you do this. But to have a daily rhythm of reading the scriptures and prayer in the mornings. Oh, if you don't have that, 
um, I, I don't know if there has been anything more life-giving to me than finally figuring out how to put that rhythm in place so that I am, uh, virtually every morning, I am reading the scriptures and I am praying. It is a part of my life. I don't, I don't when, I, when it doesn't happen for whatever reason, I just feel, I'm like, what happened to my day today? Like, it is part of my rhythm and so that's one. And then the second is, I, I, and we'll, we'll talk about this more in this year, we're going to be this year preaching all the way through the gospel of Luke. And I'm, I'm going to ask us all to be converted again, or maybe for the first time, to the way of Jesus. And we're going to go all the way through Luke. And we'll, we'll talk about this in the course of the year, but to have a Sabbath, and, and what that, the, the Hebrew word Sabbath is from the, the Hebrew word Shabbat, which means to stop or to cease or to not do any work. And if you were to put an actual rhythm in your life, where once a week for a 24-hour period, as you are able, you cease, you stop. You're like, God, the production of the world is not on me. It is on you. You sustain the world, not me. The day will come when I'm no longer here and I won't be able to do anything anyway, so I trust that you're going to provide rest and sustenance to me on this day. I mean, those two rhythms would fundamentally change your life. And I, I hope that you'll take advantage of this 21 days of prayer. Grab one of the journals when you go out uh, for morning and evening prayer and for corporate prayer on Wednesdays. Join us fast. I'm, I'm fasting from, I'm just saying it out loud, not because I'm spiritual, because this is what I want. I'm fasting from screens unless I have to look at it because you sent me a text message. Please send me text messages. I love that. Or I'm writing a sermon. You know, I, I'm fasting from screens and I'm fasting from sugar. Now you have permission to ask me. I know you're all going to come bring me cake now probably. No, I fast in sugar, huh? Uh, so, I, but I, I would love, there's a place in the journal for you to write down, this is what I'm fasting. Tell somebody else because it will help you. It will help you. So I want to invite you to do something. Uh, I want you to, I want you to, um, I want you to take an inventory. I want you to do some inventory prayer. I want to invite you, uh, with, no one's looking at you, right? You're having your own moment. Can you just trust me? No one's going to like try and take something from you. Could you close your eyes, bow your head? And I, I'd like for you to, to take a, a, an inventory, uh, like a heart inventory, a life inventory. Paths are always being offered to you. It, which path do you need? To, will you do it? Will you, will you say, okay, uh, with God's help in 2023, I'm going to go down this path. God, I need your peace. God, I want, I want to have the mind of Christ and have that replace my soundtracks because I'm tired of what I say to myself. God, I want to actually apply what you say. I don't want to just agree. Whatever it is for you, I want you to spend a minute and do a hard inventory. Whatever that thing is, you go, okay, this is the one. This is the nudge. You, you nudged me, Holy Spirit. I, I felt that. Okay. I want you to make a, a commitment, a vow to the Lord in the quietness of your own mind and heart. Say, Lord, with, with your help, 
I want to go on this path in 2023. Lord, I cannot control the people in my family. I cannot control the people that I work with. I cannot control my neighbor. But Lord, with your help, I want to go on this path. Lord, thank you that you make a way where we do not see a way. You are the way maker. You're the leader. You're out front, and we want to follow you in 2023. Lord, we want our swagger back. We want hope. We want confidence. We want purpose. We want it personally. We want it as a church. We want it in our businesses. We want it in our homes. The kind of swagger that comes from knowing you and knowing that you love us and loving you in return and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves and serving and giving of ourselves and our time and our energy and our money and our resources and our thoughts and our help. Lord, we want to be about that in 2023. So, Lord, give us a holy swagger. We pray this in your name. All God's people said.